0: From the 1011 Now streaming studio in Lincoln, Nebraska, this is the End Report Husker Show. Hello and welcome everyone. I am Bill Rinchler in the 1011 Now streaming studio, joined as always by Sports Director Kevin Suits and Sports Reporter Chase Madison. It is Tuesday afternoon following a bye week for the Husker football team. They're getting ready to host Northwestern on Saturday. Matt Rule spoke yesterday. We had coordinators today. Hey, everyone had a lot to say between Rule yesterday talking for over half an hour and, and coordinators today.
1: And you get more players to talk at these news conferences following Nebraska wins. Yes. And the Huskers beat Illinois last time on the field 22-7. And there were some nice storylines and some player emergences that happened in that game. And so that was part of the reason for the influx
0: of interviewees mm-hmm. at the Hawks Championship Center on Tuesday. Um, well, big thing, I think that probably came out from, at least one of the one of the big things that came out from yesterday uh, with Matt Rule is that he basically, we, we finally said it, Heinrich Harburg is your QB1 moving forward. Jeff Sims is ready at a moment's notice. He's fully healthy, but Heinrich has played well enough that he's going to get the nod basically from here on out. Well, this offense has obviously modified what its approach
1: is. And maybe at the start of the year, you would think that this is a team that would take some shots downfield. They would be more explosive play laden. But given the injury situations with, uh, you know, you're down to third string running back or option number three at running back. And you lose a pair of potential starters at wide receiver and Marcus Washington and Isaiah Garcia Castaneda. So that group is is very youthful, to say the least. And so you have to play to what you have. And Nebraska's offense is, let well, pretty. be honest, it's, it's pretty simple. And part of the simplicity of it is don't turn the football over. And if you're evaluating your quarterback spot, knowing that that is the approach, Heinrich Harburg is going to be the guy.
0: Yeah, and Chase, today we heard from offensive coordinator Marcus Satterfield. He even said, I, I understand it's, it's painful to watch sometimes. It's not very pretty, but like Kevin just said, uh, you know, this is a don't turn your don't turn the ball over, don't shoot yourself in the foot type of offense right now.
2: Yeah, I wouldn't say I don't want to go as far as saying it's elementary, uh, because Marcus Satterfield is a good offensive coordinator, um, but it's definitely not what he was doing at South Carolina, and the schemes and what the type of football they want to play is different. Um, And I think Harburg kind of fits that mold for right now. Each quarterback brings different things to the table, but Harburg's been the best as a leader in protecting the football. So it's good to kind of be able to establish a QB1 and kind of clear the mist and smoke that we've had the past few weeks of, you know, Sims is getting healthy. Sims looks really good. Sims now transitioning to a backup role is something that, from all the coaches and players have talked about, has taken on very well. Uh, he's a single digit for a reason. And, but yeah, I think, you know, this is a Nebraska football team. That's going to win by playing sound football all around. They're not going to, it's not going to be a shootout and they're going to outscore you just by a time.
0: And someone asked him today, Kevin, you know, Hey, are you preparing different Heinrich now that you know that you're going to be the starter? And I think a lot of fans will, would like his response. And he was basically like, no. I'm still preparing like I'm fighting for this job and I'm fighting for my opportunity.
1: That's what got him the job in the first place. And I think this is our moment to pause and give credit where credit is due. And that is to Jeff Sims Mm -hmm. as he has rehabbed and he's continued to stay in the film room and in the playbook and learn Nebraska's uh, game plan for each of these upcoming contests. He hasn't packed it in. He hasn't complained from everything we know, he's been a great teammate. He's been supportive of Heinrich Harburg. He's helped give the uh, the offense a second look at the quarterback spot. And, and that's got to be tough. He came here and, you know, he hit the NIL deals right away with Amigos and Akers. And, you know, he was kind of front. He was one of the guys that went to Indianapolis yeah. for Big Ten Football Media Days. He earned one of those single digits one of the undisputed leaders of the team going into the season, and now we're at the midway point of the year, and he's not even the starting quarterback. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's a tough look in the mirror for Jeff Sims, but it sounds like he has handled it uh, very respectfully and very maturely. And, you know, we have some clips of video, Chase and I, from – the nebraska football games and practices we've attended where you can tell that those two quarterbacks heinrich Harburg and jeff sims they get along pretty well there's even one shot that uh i believe it was before the louisiana tech game where they're heinrich and jeff are like shadow boxing each other (laughs) and it was playful it was great yeah in that game we really did not know who was going to start at quarterback leading right up to kickoff and despite that competitive nature of one of the most competitive positions on the field there seemed to just be a friendliness about it and uh, i know chase got a couple shots from the illinois game where jeff sims is one of the first guys over congratulating heinrich on the bench right after the huskers
0: make a big play and you've seen it too even in some of the the video that the huskers themselves have put out on on their platforms, you know, some inside the locker room stuff where Jeff Sims is, you know, breaking down the huddle and you know, he's still leading the team uh as you said because that's a situation that, you know, it could certainly go sour, then that could maybe sour part of the locker room, but this is the other end of that. Oh, it spectrum. could be toxic.
1: Oh yeah. It could very well be toxic. Especially considering everything that was rolled into Jeff Sims' arrival at Nebraska because he essentially won the job over Casey Thompson. Mm-hmm. So the quarterback room has really evolved in an unexpected way over the past 10 months. And here we are, the guy who is leading Nebraska's offense on the field is a Kearney Catholic grad who played Class C football, <laughs> was a three-star recruit out of high school, and had very limited college experience heading into this year. Yeah, But as we've learned, as Heinrich Heinrich's story has become public and we've learned about how the teammates all rally around him. And it seems like he's roomed with about everybody on the roster. (laughs) You know, he is one of the more liked well-liked guys inside the Nebraska locker room. Yeah. And I think there's also some attachment and affinity for the program, given the fact that Heinrich's dad played for Nebraska and, you know, he came to games when he was a kid, he's an in-state player. Um, I hate to use the phrase; it just means more. But for Heinrich Harburg and a lot of the guys that are from this state,
2: it does just mean a little.
1: It more. does mean a little bit more.
2: That, that's actually the uh, the SEC's slogan, right? But... That's why
0: we <laughs> hesitate for a second here because no chase was going to pounce on that. Oh, so well, SEC does, action!
2: It does just mean more. But you know, the interesting thing I think about this quarterback shift and not being toxic in the locker room, the I've like looked at the depth charts and we get a new depth chart every week and stuff. If you look at that Minnesota week depth chart, it looks a whole lot different than the mm. depth chart does now. And I think part of, and I'm and in the quarterback room itself, it's zone entity, but I think part of the team rallying behind Heinrich and that transition being a lot easier has been how many holes the rest of the roster has had to plug. Right. And you have guys like a Ty Han and now Malachi Coleman that were probably getting more reps with Heinrich in some of those camps or in some of those teams to kind of say here's some perspective obviously you have billy kemp still and alex bullock has shined and grown but i think the offense and even on the defense players having to step up has made this quarterback transition i think less um drastic in my opinion
1: that's a that's a fascinating point chase because these are heinrich's guys if you were to go back to fall camp The dudes who are running with the first-string offense. We're probably a lot of the second-string offense. And we're wepping with Heinrich. Yeah. So that is a really fascinating point. The one unit that is on the offense that really can't say the same is the offensive line. Mm -hmm. And there's been some recent praise for the guys up front. Matt Rule has always had their backs, and he even went so far on Monday to say... That's a unit that's been scarred by the criticism because following last year and the struggles the Huskers had in 2022, so much of it fell on that offensive line. And most of that group returned: Turner Corcoran, Bryce Benhart, they bring in Ben Scott, Nuri becomes eligible to play this year. Ethan Piper was a part of that group. So those are guys that, you know, they have heard the noise from outside and they have underperformed at times. And would even know about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, their their testimony is pretty fascinating. And yet here they are. With this Nebraska offense. Just don't turn the ball over approach. Well there's a lot of onus that goes on the ball carriers. But there's even more so of a responsibility for the guys up front. To try to keep the Huskers on schedule. Don't get mm-hmm. behind the chains. And a lot of that goes to the O-line. And I don't know that they've received their due. And maybe that's part of Matt Rule's emphasis to highlight the offensive line in his news conference following Nebraska's bye week is because he knows that those guys have not gotten much love, though they have performed. That
0: I, I don't know what's their mid season grade. I would probably give him a B? passing
1: a C B, plus B-, B-, B minus. Chase, what do you say?
0: I mean, if you are rushing for two hundred yards a game, you know, almost top one of the top rushing teams in the country, that's a pretty good grade.
2: Yeah, I think also, like, you look at pass protection, um, it's been solid. Uh, I'm not one to look into all the PFF grades and stuff like that, and Matt Rule isn't either, um, as we heard yesterday. Uh, but I think, yeah, this is a pretty solid offensive line. There has been some, like, unforced errors that have hurt the offensive line from, like, a sack standpoint, uh, and that, like and that's kind of, like, due to some of the fumbles and some of the issues earlier in the season. But, yeah, this has been a pretty solid solid offensive line from a run scheme standpoint. And even against Illinois, they were able to really kind of push force. And um, I even Rule mentioned Ethan Piper, you know, playing with a broken hand and having a glove on or a a cast on while he plays. Uh, He was going up against some NFL talent in Illinois, and I think they kind of won the battle in the trenches. So last year where they did take a lot of slack, um, I think you can kind of, yeah, sing their praises. And this is kind of a team that's maybe – a squad or a position group that's a little bit, you know, naturally kind of the unsung heroes. And so I think Rule wanted to point that out. Chase, what's your grade on the O-line, though? I'd say B. Yeah, I
1: think that's about right. Nobody's going to give them an A. But as you pointed out, Bill, Nebraska is rushing for 200.5 yards per game, second in the Big Ten in rushing. Now, granted, some of that is – you know quarterbacks making plays in the open field they've hit mm-hmm. some big ones whether it's jeff sims or heinrich Harburg. but so have all the other teams yeah. so it's if, not like if you're the going sack
0: yardage is going to count against you in the rushing totals you know then those qb runs have to count for
1: 17th you. 17th nationally in the country yeah and you know it's fascinating that we're spending a lot of time talking about nebraska's offense when you know prior to the illinois game the message was we're a defensive football team <laughs> yeah so Matt Rule made it publicly known that the Huskers will win with their defense. Mm-hmm. And then the Huskers go to Illinois and they hold the Fighting Illini to seven points despite them being on the do- doorstep on their opening drive. And we've seen the defense of a defensive football team get even better and play with even more swagger. Isaac Gifford said on Tuesday that this team goes to practice like they just got their Butts whooped. Yep. So that that's that's not a physical thing, that's a mental thing. And so this coaching staff deserves some credit on how they've been able to shift this team mentally, especially on defense. And I think that's what's making them so good, is that they are not only growing in their confidence, they're playing with this chip on your shoulder, we're gonna hit you in the mouth, and we're never going to stop fighting.
0: And that kind of segues into I think one of the other things I wanted to talk about. That Rule put heavy emphasis on yesterday because, you know, us, we've done it. A lot of the media have done it. You look at the back half of the schedule and it looks like, hey, you know, it should be fairly easy. But Rule really wanted to hammer home that, like, you know, this team is in the process of rebuilding and we can't look ahead to, you know, weeks out. We need to look ahead to every week, every opponent, because this team's still learning how to win.
1: Matt had a pretty big message to share on Monday, didn't he? Yeah. And that was maybe unexpected. You know, you thought the talk was going to be about the bye week or maybe about Nebraska Northwestern and the series history or maybe about how the team you know, has maybe a little bit of a self-evaluation over the first six weeks of the season. But instead, his message was, I don't care about the next month and a half. Uh-huh. I care about one game. I care about one practice. And then he took it not another step further, another 20 yards further by saying that has been what has plagued Nebraska in recent years. The big picture talk, mm-hmm. the the bull conversation, mm-hmm. and the where do they stand in the Big Ten West, all these thousand-foot views of the program. like It does you no good. And Matt Rule even said it would serve him no purpose to try to start talking about the Huskers' bull projections, which, oh, by the way, They are popping up on multiple bowl projections, and it looks like December 26th might be a busy date for Husker fans. (laughs) But Coach Rule's not going there because he knows that's going to get away from his overall message to his coaching staff and to his players of one rep, one day, one game at a time. And it was a little bit like John Cook. You know, Nebraska volleyball has a monstrous matchup on Saturday. It's number one versus number two at the Devaney Center. And tickets are going for like $500. John Cook had none of it when talking about this week. Because they play on Wednesday first. Yeah, And that aligns with Matt Rule and how he is saying, I, I will give you guys nothing about the distant future. I will give you stuff about the immediate future. And for Coach Rule, the immediate future is not just about Saturday. It's about Tuesday practice Mm -hmm. and then Wednesday practice and then Thursday practice. It's so microscopic in terms of the way
0: that they are approaching each and every moment as they continue to build the program. It's one rep at a time. And and Chase, it almost felt like he was trying to maybe, again, he said, you know, it's okay for the fans to kind kind of do some of that stuff. But it almost kind of sounded like he was trying to, you know, Educate the fans a little bit of like, hey, this is maybe the mindset you guys need to have too, and that like it's one rep at a time, it's one game at a time. Staying in terms of everyone. rule
2: or cook because they, they both over were...
0: in terms of rule. Cook, I think again, everyone everyone knows what's going on with the volleyball program, but the football program is in a much different place.
2: Yeah, I think you know it's kind of like the whole like, snow globe analogy, right? Like, the the Husker fans wanted to see the whole snow globe. Well, Matt Rule's inside the snow globe, you know? He's he's at the little village or whatever it is uh, focused on what's, you know, immediately in front of you. And I think, yeah, the, that kind of comes along in the terms of a bowl game because, sure, you chalk it up, you on paper, we sitting here talking about it, we could spend an hour – breaking down how Nebraska is going to win four of the next six and make a bowl or go seven and five or, but yeah, I think this is a program that he already knew kind of coming into it, that this wasn't a team that was going to be able just to overnight win nine or 10 games like he did at, at Baylor and temple, right? It takes time. And so I think it just gives good perspective to fans. He's not like telling fans to, I think it's more like he wants fans to kind of join him rather than, like, you know, shift their foot. Like, he's not telling them they have to, but he's kind of saying, like, this is how I'm going to do it. This is how I'm going to go about things. If you want to come along with me, this is how I'm viewing things.
1: He called the fans out.
2: A little bit. And
1: he loves the fans. He loves Husker Nation. Yes. He tells a story about meeting the 97-year-old lady in Takema. Yep. You know, We've heard that story a few times. And he's really endeared himself to the fans. In fact, I know a few people that went back and listened to Matt Rule's Monday news conference multiple times just to try to pick up what he was putting down. And, like we said, he had a message. And it's a message that hasn't been spoken by a Nebraska football coach since when? Ever?
0: I don't think, yeah. Ever. You know, because
1: Tom Osborne had good teams, even going all the way back to when he became Nebraska's head coach in the 70s. And so it's, it's different. And he's trying to tell everybody. Like I, I think that some of the fans' tendency to look at where does the program stack up with conference opponents nationally and what are the postseason possibilities. That stems from a program that was dominant in the 90s. And had continued success in the early 2000s, and then mid 2000s it started to wane. And with Bo Pelini, you know, there was still a consistency of reaching a bowl game. Were they the bowl games Husker fans wanted them to go to? No, but it was it was all in a line of like we can we can look at, you know, is it December 31st or is it January 1 or is it January 8? And then when you take that all away, like you are at ground zero. But yet there's a clinging to, you know, what, what what does it look like at the end of the season? What does it look like in December? What does it look like in January? And, and he wants none of that. And he thinks that's part of the problem. Mm-hmm. Because there's been a fascination with, you know, the end game, there becomes less of a focus on the here and now.
0: And I think, I mean, fans, I think especially are guilty of this. I don't want to say the players are. But to see a team like Northwestern on your schedule and just immediately think, all right, we're going to win that game. Shouldn't be a problem. And then that's, you know, when you show up in Ireland and get punched in the mouth and you lose that game. Well, thanks
1: for bringing that up, yeah. right? That, that's ripping open a scab. Yes. But the other thing, too, about looking at the big picture for Nebraska fans um, and maybe the disconnect between the program and the fandom is, you know, you can look down the road. When you know you can just roll out the ball and beat a Northwestern and you can just show up and you can beat Purdue, they're, they're, they just haven't there. been there. Mm-mm. You know, we don't need to uh, document all the things that have led to the decrease in talent on the team. And I'm not saying this team is not talented, but it doesn't have the ability to just show up and beat an opponent. And that's just that's not just a 2023 thing. Mm-hmm. You could roll the clock back to the Mike Riley era and perhaps even before then where it just was not the case. Not to mention, when you look at where do you, where, what are the chances in the Big Ten West and what are the chances for this bowl game on December 29th, you are creating pressure. And this is a program that, for whatever reason, the coaches and the players have not always handled pressure the best. And that there have been seasons in which te- games are going down to the fourth quarter. And there is just insurmountable pressure on that game. And, and they come up on the wrong side of the outcome. So maybe by staying hyper-focused, you're removing the pressure. And it's less about what does what that one play do for the course of the season? And what does that do for where they're going to finish up in the Big Ten standings? And it's more about, all right, can we just execute on third and seven?
0: Yeah, you don't have to worry about winning the Big Ten West. You have to worry about beating Northwestern.
1: But that could come, but it's not going to come until, you know, the concrete is poured in the basement and the flooring is down, the walls are up, and there's drywall on.
0: Yeah. We could talk about this for a really long time. Um, Hey,
1: Matt Rule went big picture without going big picture. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. That was my big takeaway from Monday. Yeah. Like, he said he doesn't like talking about the big picture, but the message in which he conveyed to the fans was all big picture-related. It was. Coming off a bye week, I guess. Maybe he was a psychology major. I don't know. But it it got a lot of people thinking, just the way that he handled uh, Monday's news conference. And there wasn't much chatter about Northwestern and getting back
0: on the field. There wasn't. One thing we did hear, though, Chase, is that Luke Reimer will be back, which will be a nice lift for this defense, he's missed the last two games. Um, a MRSA infection, I think, is what I heard. Yeah. So, which is never pleasant.
2: Yeah. Uh, to, you know, even talking today about the black shirts, um, they were saying that there was a question asked to Tony White, like, is there 11 black shirts? How does that kind of work? And then he's like, well, technically right now there's 12 because they never took Luke Grimers away. And he was back, and, you know, the, 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 Tony White kind of said, like, At first he was a little bit hesitant to make the calls and to be out there normally, but now he's full go. And so I think he just needed a minute to kind of get back into the groove of things, but he's a fierce leader and a black shirt in his own right. So it'll be big to have him back on a defense that has just been riddled with injuries. It felt like the whole season.
0: Yeah, Kevin, you said it best. It's a mash unit, especially on offense. Malachi Coleman will be getting his first start on Saturday. And I mean, Jalen Lloyd playing a lot, freshman, uh, again from Omaha. So it'll be interesting to watch that. So 230. But they have two really good tight ends. They do have. So them. as
1: as fixated as some people can be on the young talent that's going to be on the field against Northwestern at the wide receiver spot, you have Thomas Fedoni, you have Nate Borkercher, both really good options. And you also well, have Billy Kemp the Yeah.
2: Fourth. And Billy Kemp, like, is the more most seasoned guy beyond anybody. And, like... Yeah, I know, like, just to touch on those receivers really quick, Malachi Coleman, like, right now he might make a big play for you, but the way that this offense is designed, like, he's not going to get a ton of separation from the secondary. It would have to be kind of a zone scheme where he finds an opening, and right now they've used those Lloyds and Marcus Washington they were using in that sense, kind of at those deep ball, um, 50-50 kind of big play potential. You know the, the bread and butter where they're going to actually have success in the passing game is going to be, you know, a jet like uh, a drag to Billy Kemp, an, a ten yard dig from Thomas Fedoni or Nate. So, you know, don't have too many expectations for them. It would be nice to see Malachi to get some catches because once you get a catch, right? He's already had his first career catch or just had his first career catch. Once you get one, you kind of get into the groove of things. But I wouldn't have too much expectations on the passing game.
1: Alex Bullock, Ty Hon, also options at the wide yeah. receiver spot. It's going to be interesting to see, you know, how this passing game evolves, knowing that, you know, there's six games of study out on Nebraska's offense, and you're going to face some really good defensive coordinators coming up. Uh, in fact, look at the n- upcoming two head coaches current head coaches braun at northwestern and then ryan walters of purdue they're both former defensive coordinators and that's kind of the bread and butter of both of those teams right now so uh they're gonna try to take away heinrich and his running ability and you know what was it the the michigan game you know heinrich i don't know that he had positive rushing i think he had minus two so you know I don't want to say Nebraska's offense is going to be easy to scheme for, but there is a clear thing that if you are facing Nebraska, you want to do defensively. And you have two really good coaches that are going to be scheming that. So uh, somebody's got to step up and make a play in the pass game. And, you know, maybe the second half of the season is going to be the story of Malachi Coleman's emergence or uh, Alex Bullock becomes Mr. Reliable for uh, this offense. Um, And that's what makes a lot of intrigue and fascination with the remaining six games on Nebraska's schedule. Not to mention, you know, the Huskers are going to be playing for something here down the stretch.
0: Yeah. Again, 3-3 and coming into this week. uh, Northwestern also, 3-3. and But this is the first time this season... I believe that Nebraska is favored against a Power 5 opponent. By double digits. By double digits. Uh, I believe the line opened at 12.5. It's at 11. Looking at it right now, and it's at 11 with an over-under at 41, which is at least higher than Iowa and
2: Minnesota.
1: I think 11's a little bit strangely high, in my opinion. It does
2: feel a little bit high.
0: Um, well,
2: this is a competitive Northwestern team. Like they took uh, They took Minnesota to overtime and won that game. Mm-hmm. Like... They they've played competitive. They played alright oh, in the beginning against Duke. It, I don't know. I the, the, the weird thing is is they're coming off of a win against Howard where they won by three points against a Howard team that's not. Well, there's
0: know. there's some questions. Uh, their starting quarterback was injured. I think there's some questions as to whether or not he'll be available to play. And they well, they had junior Brendan's
2: They had Brendan Sullivan against Howard, and he threw two touchdowns, but it's limited sample size. He's he hasn't, he's had, he has 192 passing yards in the season. So yeah, I'm not exactly sure what we're going to see. And even Tony White talked about that. They almost, they've played really three quarterbacks in totality. So
1: beyond this year's Northwestern team, as we look at this being an 11 point spread, it's Nebraska Northwestern. This series has been weirdly competitive, always down to the wire. Uh, A walk-off field goal by Northwestern in Evanston. I don't remember the year. Uh, Jordan Westerkamp's Hail Mary catch. There have been so many games that have gone down to the final possession. In fact, what is it? Seven of the last 12 meetings between these schools have been decided by three points or fewer. So for the line to be at 11, I mean, maybe the uh, odds makers aren't quite privy on the way these two programs have played against each other in recent memory. I mean, outside of 2021. Well, what,
2: what happened last year? No, I'm kidding. Yeah. Yeah, no,
1: I, that, that's another example. They were favored was by
0: it... double digits, I believe, last year, and then, and then yeah. Well, uh, last but year was a really close competitive game that went down to the end. Outside of 2021, you're right. I think it's been single-digit points, you know, for either side. Um, so, yeah, it seems high to me. We'll We'll, we'll see. Um, but yeah, so they are favored. So hopefully they can can get it done back at home. Two thirty, Kevin. Who do we got on the call this weekend? Well, it's a BTN broadcast
1: at two thirty. Corey Provis on the play-by-play. Jake Butt, former Michigan standout, oh, wow. is going to be um, doing the color commentary with Brooke Fletcher on the sidelines, doing the reporting for Big Ten Network. It's going to go. It's going to go Nebraska football on BTN straight to Nebraska volleyball on BTN. Uh, so if you have plans to be in front of the TV on Saturday, uh, you can you can really help out the viewership numbers for Big Ten Network as they are going to broadcast both of those games back to back.
0: And that uh, segues me right into volleyball again. Two and zero last week, uh, beating uh, Michigan State at home, and then sweeping number thirteen Penn State at home. That's second set, Kevin, they get down. I mean nine to one, and they still come back and they win. I mean, that, this team is just fun to watch. They've got
1: a lot of grit. they got a lot of scrap in them. It starts with Lexi Rodriguez. Uh,
0: Defensive player of the week. Laney
1: Chowboy's having a good year. You know, I brought up the point to John Cook here today that, you know, Bergen Riley is doing a great job setting, but her defense really is not getting the shine that it deserves, averaging about two and a half digs per set. He complimented her blocking ability as well. Uh, so this team – Wins with the... They're a defensive volleyball team. <laughs> um, but Nebraska volleyball, that, that Penn State match was pretty impressive. You know, leaving the Devaney Center on uh, Saturday night, that was maybe maybe the most impressed I've been with the team.
0: John Cook said today he doesn't think his team's put together a solid match yet this year. Solid road match. Sol- okay, solid road. So that's a disclaimer. But they is- won at
1: Stanford, so I would think that's a pretty solid match. Yes. I don't know. Uh, the Chase, your opinion on this? Was was that the best Nebraska volleyball has looked this year? I'd say Creighton was pretty good. I also thought they played really well against Kentucky. Yeah, I thought I, I thought Penn State, that, that, was, that was pretty solid.
2: Kentucky stood out to me, but I think, yeah, I, I think Penn State is probably the most complete this team has looked all year. Um, just like the way that, you know, Krause kind of has bounced back and really came on for them. And then, you know what I mean? Like, the less that they have to rely or lean on Merritt Beeson and Harper Murray to be able to have other players making plays, yeah, the, the, the team was very sound on Saturday night.
0: So they'll be at Northwestern. That is on uh, BTN+. Plus. That is 7 p.m. on Wednesday. That is all John Cook wanted to talk about today. It's Northwestern. We, tr- we tried. I don't know we if did. you noticed no. the media,
1: and it wasn't just the volleyball beat reporters. There were a few others that – trying to get a little something to grab onto about Wisconsin, mm. whether it's about uh, the fan interest or the spotlight of the sport or uh, the ticket sale numbers, uh, he shut out all of it. Nope. And he was, and he was pretty hyper-focused just on Northwestern. And John Cook was quick to, to mention that Nebraska's last trip to Evanston, it was a five-setter. Yep. And, you know, if Nebraska were to stumble in Evanston on Wednesday, uh, not that it would – take away from the elite level that nebraska wisconsin will be on saturday but it would put a little asterisk on it because right now it's number one versus number two in a pair of undefeated opponents and nebraska fans know that wisconsin has had the Huskers' number um dating back multiple years and this one could not only decide a big 10 champion it could also play a factor later in the year when regional hosts are decided
0: mm-hmm. uh and i will throw a shout out to uh caleb henry uh our radio partner um he he looked up ne- nebraska playing in number one versus number two matchups and they're two and three in those five matches the most recent one coming looks like it was back in 20 2019 when stanford came to town and Nebraska lost that match. Looks like three to one. So, 7 p.m. Tickets or what you were, t- were talking about this earlier. 500 bucks right now for tickets. That's not the. That's not right the going
2: now, rate. The uh, cheapest standing room only 284.
1: That's to stand and watch.
0: I would pay that.
2: An, an actual that seat match. about 337. Yeah. So. Like that's going
1: that that's going rate for this volleyball match um i've I've seen a few around the 500 (laughs) dollar range i'm just curious you know there are a lot of fans who support the football program and the volleyball program that are season ticket holders of both you know how are the fans going to manage this you know it is conceivable to go straight from football to volleyball Football kicks off at about 2.30. Let's just say it's a three, three-and-a-half-hour match. It takes you up to 6 o'clock, and then you can roll right over to the Devaney Center. I think you could do the double.
0: That's ideal. Well, I mean, I think ideal, ideal is like, you know, football's maybe up 20, you know, up big. In the oh, you're quarter. a
1: leave-the-stadium-early guy?
0: Hey, if I got to get over to the Bob to get my seats and get my popcorn, and get in my chair. Okay, that, that could be one exception.
2: Yeah. What, uh, one of the, uh... One of the reporters at the press conference was talking about covering both events on Saturday. And she was actually saying that she's going to try to get on one of those like Bird or Lime scooters. Who's oh, a scooter? Just scooter between the stadium because trying to move your car from a football game to the Devaney, is going to be a nightmare in itself. That Does the
1: be. scooter have enough power to get up the big hill?
2: I would be more worried if the scooter has enough
0: power to carry the behemoth sports camera you guys carry
1: around. Oh well, we we didn't say we were going to do it from a media
2: perspective. Uh, this was <laughs> this was a uh, this was a print journalist j- journalist. So,
0: so it's just a notepad and a pen. That's all that. And a, ba- and a backpack, in a backpack perhaps. But yeah. I just, you know, those scooters,
1: I just don't, like, you have to you have to go up the hill and down the hill. You they can really up, get
2: cooked. They're pretty they're, powerful.
0: They're pretty powerful. They end up over here on the corner, like by the station. We, you know, we're at 40th and Vine here at 1011. And, you know, 99% of those scooters are in the downtown area on campus, but then there's just Every now and then, there's one over here. Are I'm you like,
1: underestimating the uh, the
0: curb appeal of the 1011 building? No,
1: I'm not. I'm just wondering
0: what you were doing that you decided to take a scooter from UNL campus. Maybe we have a bike. geotag
1: that people need to hit this point of reference that's in true. some scavenger hunt.
0: That's that's entirely possible.
1: Do you remember the Pokemon Go? Like, oh yeah,
0: no, we, I, my family is still. My youngest is into Pokemon Go. There's a PokeStop here at 1011. So there, there we go. So maybe, maybe it's people doing the PokeStop. Could be. That's entirely possible. All right, we've really gone off the rails here. We're talking about Pokemon Go. One last thing I want to ask you about, Kevin. I wasn't as in tune to it yesterday, but I noticed it on Twitter and social media. State Softball. Looks like it was a really, really good turnout. Up, uh, Was it moved from Hastings up to Omaha, and then they put it... On TV as well? Okay,
1: so what happened was the NSAA changed the format and the location and television plans for state softball. They, The NSAA made a very risky decision. Obviously, it went before the board and it got approved. Typically, high school state softball ends on a Friday in Hastings. That's where the entire tournament is played. Mm-hmm. And the championship is a, it's a double elimination format. So if the team that goes undefeated through the bracket... If they lose in the final, it's double elimination. So they would have a second, if necessary, game Mm -hmm. to determine the champion. Because of the facility that the state tournament is played in, which is the Bill Smith Softball Complex in Hastings, and also the uncertain nature of the true championship game, if it's the first game or the second, it had always restricted television coverage Mm -hmm. because – You know, what does that day look like? Are you going to broadcast one championship, two championships? Um, It could be a long day. It could be a short day. Not to mention, there would be multiple finals happening at the same time. Bill Smith has several fields. Mm -hmm. And they have a championship field for Class A, championship field for Class B, championship field for Class C. So that's what state softball looked like previously. The changes that were made was, first off, They said there is no, if necessary, game. It is a winner-take-all final. So there's only going to be one championship game per class. They are not going to play A, B, and C all simultaneously. By doing that, they can move now to one location and one field that can play the state finals back to back to back. They decided to take it out of Hastings for the championship, And that was maybe a source of a little bit of contention for the folks that are uh, traditionalists and they like having the championships in Hastings because that's where the tournament is. And they put it at the brand new facility on the campus of UNO. And it's a beautiful facility. And they said, we're going to have this one site, which is not where the rest of the tournament is, Mm -hmm. but it's going to allow us to go one, two, three, all state finals, all a winner take all. And on top of all of this and this is the cherry on top is nebraska public media now has the ability to televise the final because you know each of those games a trophy will be presented Mm -hmm. and there are no two games going on simultaneously
0: yeah
1: and from a fan's perspective you've made a one ticket to watch all of the championships and you're not fighting for your time so the pictures that you probably saw in the video of the state championships, yes, they were impressive. Amazing crowds, electric atmosphere. They were able to do ceremonial first pitches, and they were able to have the teams walk in and do the proper introduction. Again, that's because of the facility that they are at. Mm-hmm. So you talk about hitting a home run, pun intended. The NSA did it with all of those variables. This wasn't as simple as, should we televise the finals or not? No. It was much more complicated. And the crowd it was it was great. But if you think about what the previous crowd looked like, well, you had people dis- dispersed at three different fields trying to watch three different finals. So now you get everybody all eyes one field and that's part of the reason not to mention you're able to attract more of the casual softball viewer and mm-hmm. fan By putting it in Omaha. Mm -hmm. Pretty cool stuff. And there has been so much conversation recently about women's sports being on fire. And John Cook talked about it. You know, it's not just a volleyball thing which Volleyball Day in Nebraska certainly lit the fire. Mm -hmm. Now you have Iowa women's basketball playing at Kinnick Stadium. And then if we go hyper-local here in the state of Nebraska, now we're seeing it at the high school level with state softball in the crowd that it just generated on Monday night.
0: Yeah, you had Jordy Ball there with uh, Nebraska throwing out one of those ceremonial first pitches. It was just – all of a sudden, it was just all over my Twitter timeline. And I was like, man – What the heck is going on?
1: I think maybe some people underestimated the impact of the NSAA making those decisions. And I don't know that there are too many arguments saying that Nebraska, uh, the Nebraska School Activities Association did not do the right thing. If anything, it might have been. Why wasn't it done sooner? Sooner. Well, this softball field at UNO is fairly new, and it is a wonderful facility. It is adjacent to Tal Anderson Field, which just hosted the high school state baseball championships in the spring. And if you recall, back in May, those crowds were electric, and everybody was just so – it's the perfect size, and it's the perfect facility to host the state high school championship.
0: Good deal. All right. I think that's a good thing to end on unless either one of you have anything else that you are burdened with that you need to get off your chest. I should ask, how was your guys' bye week? I should have started
2: the show with that. Not too bad. Busy. But but good. Good. I
1: enjoyed my bye.
2: That's good.
0: It was nice. It was nice. And now we're back into the swing of things. All right. Uh, well, for Sports Director Kevin Suits, for Sports Reporter Chase Madison, I'm Bill Renschler. Thanks, everyone, for jumping in and joining us again today. Uh, again, as always, keep it tuned to 1011, both on air and online, for all of your latest news, weather, and sports.
1: You've been listening to the End Report Husker Show from 1011. Watch, listen, and stream on the 1011 Now app on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. For more Husker coverage throughout the week, watch the End Report on 1011 Sports at 6 and 10 p.m. and download the 1011 Now app.